You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M, and today, it's another Asking Aggies Day, it's another What Would I Do, because if it is the holiday season, I'm going to be giving out gifts to every single A&M position. Talking about what I would give them for next season. And on top of all that, let's get some questions out of the way. Let's talk about some things that we all want to know going into the college football final weeks of the season. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. Name right down below. I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you do to help make this a more quality sounding podcast, Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout out, and I will put it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th May related content found here on LOP. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast systems, or listen every live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So most of you know my apartment at this place if you're watching on WFFA.com, and this is not it. That's because of I am at my girlfriend's parents' house for the upcoming holiday season. It's Christmas Eve. We're all excited for the upcoming day, and we're all excited for Santa Claus to be here. Now, it's going to be a little different this year. And for anyone who cannot be with their families this year, I'm very sorry. I hope you well. I wish you nothing but the best. I understand that this is a really rough year for a lot of people. So for if you are able to spend time with your families, be grateful, be thankful, continue to practice safe protocols, wear a mask when you go outside, and on top of all things on top of all that, make sure you check in with yourself. The one thing we need to focus on this holiday season is, of course, fo- focusing in on our own lives. Sorry about that. Weather around here is a little rough, but much like people on holidays, we always love the addition of Santa Claus. So today I'm going to play Santa Claus. Doesn't matter if you're a good girl, good boy, bad girl, bad boy. I'm going to answer some questions for you. I'm going to be playing Santa Claus to the Texas A&M team. And here we go. At the quarterback position, what would I give A&M next season? Well, I would give them no quarterback controversy. People don't realize how important a quarterback is to a team's success. On top of all of that, this will be the first year since 2017 A&M has a new quarterback. Kellen Mond did split reps with Nick Starkle that year, but it was the very first season that he was there as a freshman that he started seeing live games. He started playing immediately. He started you know, being a part of the team. So with all of that, you now know that Kellen Mond is gone. Now you have Eli Stellers, now you have Zach Calzada, and now you have Haynes King. Each one of their skills are a little different. Haynes King is an elite pocket passer. Sowers is great on the move. Calzada is a game manager. He might be the safest option. But no matter what happens, at the start of this year, it felt like everyone was always against Kellen Mond because of what happened the first you know three years of his career. Now, I don't want to see that happen with another guy. The biggest thing is I don't want to see a quarterback be under duress in week nine or 10, where we're still trying to figure out who's the quarterback of the future for A&M. Find your starter, find him in camp. Sowers is going to be up there for, you know, for Aggie camp this year. So with spring training coming around, you maybe even have him coming in immediately and being the next guy like a Kellen Mond. If it's King, it's King. If it's Calzada, it's Calzada. Figure it out in the first three weeks. Get things ready. Get things going. Make sure you have your starter by the time main SEC play is back. For the running back position, I would give them a chance the Heisman. I think all three of these players are so talented. And depending on their skill set, 
you can find a way for each one of them to make a justifiable case into making it into the college football play. Uh, I mean, into the Heisman Trophy ceremony. You look at Najee Harris and what he did this year, 28 touchdowns, a new Alabama record. Let's just say that Isaiah Spiller averages 5.5 yards per carry. Let's just say he continues to make big plays across the middle of the field. Let's say that that it's really him just scoring in the red zone and he gets about 25 touchdowns next year. Great. Let's say Anaya Smith, versatile player, gets a ton of talent, gets a ton of production, passing, running, all that, and he has 2,000 total yards of scrimmage. I think that's enough to get him to the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Then you have a guy like, I would say, Devon Ashane, who has so much untapped potential that we barely saw enough of it this year. And when he was on the field, dangerous, deadly, scary. Exactly what you want for a player of his skill set. Each one of these members can find a way to make it into the conversation. And I definitely believe if one of them can stand out strong in an SEC that is losing talented running backs, they probably could have a reasoning to be in New York next year. Wide receiver position, a bona fide number one. Listen, AM has a lot of good talent. Hezekiah Jones is good. Chase Lane is good. I think Demon Demas is going to be great. I think that uh, 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 Musa Muhammad III is going to be a very talented player. And there's a lot of talent coming up right now. You need a number one. The biggest thing a young quarterback and all these guys are going to be young. I mean, you're going to have legitimately a junior, a sophomore, and a freshman. And really, King has a handful of snaps. Calzada has, what, maybe 10 or 12 snaps. So you don't really know what even any of them are. They need a true number one. Jalen Weidemeyer, and I like Jalen Weidemeyer. That weapon on the outside is so important. That's why you see what Mac Jones is able to do. That's why you see what Matt Coral was able to do. That's why you see what all these other teams were able to do this past year and act like top 25 offenses because they had a number one receiver. You need that. And if it's Demond Demas, it's Demond Demas. If it's Chase Lane, it's Chase Lane. Find the number one. Let that number one be immediately a factor in your staff. Let them start playing. Let them start being the reason why AM can win on the outside. Tight end. Health, health, health. I'm going to say it once. So really, I can't really say. AM had the deepest tight end group in the SEC this year. And then injuries happen. You lose Blake Smith to a leg injury. You lose Baylor Cup the second year in a row to a leg injury. It's a bad look. It's not great. And Jalen Montemayor is great. And Ryan Rennick is a great inline blocker. But with the depth that you have with a guy like James Coley teaching the tight end groups, that's a huge get for AM. You want to see them use those players. You want to see the Aggies be able to be so multidimensional at the tight end position. One's an inline blocker. One's a you know one's a flex option. One is great at after the catch. One is great as a route runner. All three of them can be those guys. All four of them can be effective. You need to have that this year. That's the biggest thing. Find your tight ends. Remain healthy. Because at the end of the day, a tight end and a slot receiver are the two check down options for a young quarterback. If they cannot go deep, they go short. Tight end is usually the second look. Slot receiver is usually the first read. If the first read is gone, tight ends are going to be open. Weidemeyer can be that guy. But let's start running some double tight end sets. Let's start running more of, you know, kind of wishbone stuff. Let's have three tight ends on the offensive, I mean, on the line, ready to attack. 
in the red zone to build up this unit. That's what I would do. Reason number four, I'm going to go with the offensive line. And the offensive line, naturally, everyone knows this, it is all about stability. Kenyon Green is coming back. We know Kenyon Green is talented. We know he's going to be effective. We know that in the long history of what we've seen from players at the position overall, you know that he's eventually going to move to the outside, as he should, because of he's a guy who played at uh, Tascacita High School as one of the biggest names. He was a huge player for, uh, for the Eagles as a left tackle. Now you're probably going to move him to the outside, and you kind of have to move him to the outside. But you get Bryce Foster, who is the number one interior offensive lineman in the country. You know he's going to come in and he's going to take either the left guard position or the right guard position. It's about finding those other three spots. Is Green going to play left tackle? Is Green going to play right tackle? You have a great guard, and you have a lot of talent from guys like Chris Morris, uh, Chris Morris, Josh Banken. Um, I'm blanking on the other kid's name. Email uh, Feldrew. You have some players who can make statements early. And much like this offensive line, last year, this team was so based on their offensive line that they struggled. This past year, the best, one of the best SEC. They're up for the Dan Moore Award. That's how talented they were. I would recommend making sure we build this offensive lineup. Whoever are you guys, build them, get them in, get them in the roster, because a quarterback's best friend is not the weapons on the outside. It's the weapons on the inside that protect his kind. That is a quarterback's best niche. And when it's a young quarterback, the younger the offensive line is, the more talented the offensive line is, the more stability he has, you can build a dynasty with it. Any single time an offensive line can stay young, healthy, and active, they're in a very good spot. Defensive line, I want to see them have the number one rushing attack and number one rushing run defense in the SEC. They were very close this year. They averaged, what was it, 82.9 yards per run. You're bringing back Bobby Brown. You're bringing back Jaden Peavy. You're bringing back DeMarvin Leal. You're bringing back McKinley Jackson. There's so many talents that we haven't even mentioned. Fidel Diggs, Danelle Harris. All these guys have an opportunity to make a big-time impact early on. This is a defensive line that can make plays consistently off the edge, in the interior, to the A-gap, to the C-gap. They can find ways to win and with the SEC probably missing some running backs next year, let's see if they can really hold runners in games to 50 yards, 60 yards. We saw what they could do against Tennessee, and Tennessee was known for running the ball more than passing. See if they can do that to every single team in the SEC for at least next year. Linebacker position, veteran leadership. You're losing, listen, when it was... Uh, Anthony Hines and Buddy Johnson, they replaced Tyrell Dodson and Otero Alaka. You had no idea what was going to happen. And Johnson immediately thrived. Hines was very good in coverage. Hines left, and you replaced him with Hansford. Hansford was a good run stopper. Buddy Johnson actually played better in coverage than you know Hansford did, but Hansford made up for it as a blitzer. Andre White Jr. has to be one of these two guys. He has to be the microphone. He has to be the mic. He has to be the Sam. He has to be somebody, whether it be the run-stopping game, whether it be in pass coverage, he has to be the guy to really step up because if he needs to be the field general of the defense, middle linebacker, 
All it is, is it's line. It's the quarterback of the defense. They had the microphone in the helmet. They're listening to what coach Alco was saying. They're figuring out what, you know, pathway they need to take where they need to go, what gap they need to hit. Is there going to be an option? You know, what is he, you know, what is coach seeing on the field? He needs to be able to call audibles. He needs to be able to tell the nickel corner, hey, tell the safety to move down. They're doing a, uh, they're they're sending the guy in motion. You're now having trips to your side. Guy has to be that way. Middle linebacker, in my opinion, is the toughest position that nobody talks about because of, there's so many moving parts in it. Uh, he literally is the quarterback of the defense. You need somebody to be that guy. And in the secondary, I just want to see more improvement. I mean, you look at who they're bringing back. Leon O'Neal, great hard hitter. Uh, Damani Richardson, another good hitter. Good in coverage, too, at least in zone plays. Uh, Jalen Jones should have been, in my opinion, the only other guy uh, besides the Alabama corner. I'm blanking on his name right now. As, you know, as the only SEC freshman cornerback, he was so talented this past year. And then you look at some talent that's coming up. Joshua Moten. Uh, Antonio Morrison. There's guys from last year's recruiting class that could take that next step this year. And when you see all that, that is huge news for the team to start building their success. I think that when you look at what you're losing in Carper, the dime formation, where you're losing on the outside of Miles Jones, who is you know a six foot four, big burly corner, you need those guys to step up. Are they going to move Morris outside? Are they going to move Moten to the nickel? Who's going to play that dime defender? If they continue to build that up, eventually you're not going to see many teams kind of screw up on this. Jones had really one bad game all year as a freshman, and it was against Alabama, and it was against Jalen Widemeyer and Devonta Smith. He gave up one big play to John Mechie. That's it. Everyone else was pretty normal. They can continue to do this. They're in a very good spot. The holiday season is coming up right around the corner, and the best gift to give anybody right now is quiet and relaxation. Look, the way the world is and the way our minds are, they were always on the go, 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 24-7, nonstop action. That's why I recommend when you have a moment to sit back and unwind, crack open an ice cold beer, and enjoy a Coors Light. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sporting event is on this fall, A&M and Coors Light are meeting together as the official beer for A&M Aggie Sports. Now, Beer is therapeutic, and so is football, because it's uninterrupted meat time for yourself. And with Coors Light being cold lagered, cold pressed, cold filtered, and cold packaged, made by the great people of the Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado, your beer will be as cold as the Colorado Rockies themselves. Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit your reset button, make sure you grab an ice cold beer that's literally made to chill. Get Coors Light in your new delivery system, get get.coorslight.com. And always remember, celebrate responsibly. There is a new betting system coming here to Locked On Podcast, and that's betonline.ag. Guys, when I'm telling you about betonline.ag, college football is coming to an end. You have the college, you know, college football playoffs coming up. You have the NFL playoffs coming up. You have college basketball back. You have the NBA back. And betonline.ag is here to help you make your own bets. Go to betonline.ag and sign up for your free account, and you will get $50 off when you use the promo code Locked On on your very first bet. Get the couch, get off the sideline, get into the action, and earn yourself some new money this upcoming year to start 2020 off on the right note. BetOnline.ag. Go visit them today. 
Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking about all things Texas A&M. Guys, there's a brand new show coming up with the holidays right around the corner. I'm going to help you earn some money, and that's by listening to the Locked On Bets podcast. Locked On Bets with Lee Sterling of ParamountSports.com is here to give you his red hot start of the season as he shares his locks of the day and gives you all the information of bets you need to make. Go listen to Locked On Bets today wherever you get your podcast listening systems. And while you're at it, go ahead and listen to every college football podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, including Locked On Bama, Locked On Clemson, Locked On Irish, and Locked On Ohio State. Let's go ahead and break down some questions that we have on the college football playoff from asking Aggies this upcoming week. First question, are you okay with A&M missing the playoffs? No. No, I'm not. But again, what do you want me to say? Everyone knew going into this season what it was going to be. There's nothing wrong with that. When you look at the history of the college football playoff, let's just get this out of the way. In 2014, the college football playoff started. You had Oregon and you had Florida State. The next year, you had uh, Michigan State and I think you had Oklahoma for the very first time. Year after that, you had Washington as the other Pac-12 representative. You had LSU. You had Georgia. You had Alabama. You had Ohio, yeah, you had Ohio State, you had Notre Dame, you had Clemson, and I always blank on that last team. Uh, but there's been 11 teams in seven years that have gone to the college football playoff. 11. Washington was the weird one that people kind of forget. Oregon's always around in the conversation. Florida State, this was at the very end of the Jimbo Fisher era when, you know, the Seminoles were really good. It was that one great year of Michigan State football. And outside of that, it's the same four. And usually you have to see one of these other teams explode or be imploded on. Like the year that Alabama got in as the number four seed when Georgia won the SEC title. It's because of Ohio State imploded on themselves to Wisconsin. So that was the only reason they got in. If not, you would have seen Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson and Oklahoma. That's what you would have seen. I mean, there's not a difference there. We know who the teams are. And I brought this up so many times on the podcast before, and I'll bring it up again. Blue bloods are supposed to matter. Now, Texas is considered a blue blood. I don't think they are. I don't know why people think they are. They had a couple great years, you know, with the in the Earl Campbell days. They had a lot of good years in the Mac Brown era. A lot of bad years in the Mac Brown era. So that Texas has just been Texas. Nebraska, they had the, you know, they had the era, the Bill Walsh. That's it. We're done after that. That's it. I mean, literally. Oklahoma, they're more blue blood because they're consistent. USC, blue blood. They're consistent. And they've been consistent since the 70s. I would say Alabama. I would say Clemson. I would say Notre Dame. And I would say Ohio State. Those six teams are blue bloods. And that's why when people start talking about USC making the jump from what were they, 14 all the way up to number four over AM? It's because of that was the reason. Because of you know you'll sell tickets that way. AM was out in week two. Hate to be the bearer of bad news. They were out when they got a 28 point loss to Alabama. And there was no way that Alabama was going to lose after that game. Alabama's biggest game of the year was against AM. And that's because of they've won against a top five team. Now, in today's you know game, I would love to see them play Georgia. That would have been a great game on AM's resume. 
Maybe AM gets the win. If they don't, okay, we now don't have an excuse to complain. But the fact is, I'm mad that it just felt like no matter what AM did, they got a sound victory to close out the season against Tennessee. It's Tennessee. Nobody cares. That's just the biggest thing. Nobody cares because it's Tennessee. You can't get mad after that. And I hate to be that guy, but you just can't. So, no, I mean, yeah, I'm mad, but I'm over it. I mean, we already know what was going to happen. Who would you like to have played in the Orange Bowl? I would have liked to play Indiana. I think Indiana been a heck of a matchup because I think a lot of these players, you look at the big names, you know, Javonta Williams, um, he, he's possibly opting out. Uh, Michael, you know, Michael Carter's opting out. Chaz Surrett, the linebacker, who is a quarterback that, you know, that transitioned over to it. He's opting out. It's not the same feel. This feels like a game where AM could have really been like, okay, we're here. We're going to put a beat on somebody and we're going to play their best 11 versus our best 11. Well, you're not. You're playing their best seven versus your best 11 and their best eight against your best 11. And that's the problem is you're losing on guys who are going to the NFL draft because if they don't want to get injured, they don't want to have their draft stock, which is understandable. But I, you know, when, when you see that, why would I want to play that team? Indiana's young. Indiana has a lot of talented players. And more than any of that, they have a lot of heart. In the heartlands of, you know, of Bloomington, Indiana, a lot like College Station. You know, it's rural area. It's it's spot that the, the, the college is built around the town. The town and the college go one and one together. Saturdays are amazing. Usually for them, it's in the, you know, it's in the field house for them in basketball. It's in the arena. It's not usually on the football field. But what Tom Allen has done, it's a defensive-minded guy. This would have been a really good game, offense versus defense. AM's offense has really stepped up in the past few weeks. AM's offense has really done well. I like to see them play against a really good defensive team. And people aren't giving you know Indiana enough credit. They took down a very good Wisconsin team. They took down a very good uh a Penn State team, you know, at the start of the year. They took, they beat Michigan. They beat Michigan State. Their one loss was to Ohio State. And if you would have just played the last 30 minutes, they would have creamed Ohio State. That's really it. You can make an argument that they were a better team. And because of that, I would like to see them play in a New Year's Six Bowl. They had one loss on the year. You have an Iowa State team with three losses. Uh, two, Yeah, three losses. You have a Florida team with three losses. They're in New Year's Six Bowl games. You look at what uh, A&M is playing. You, mean, you look at what Indiana is playing. Ole Miss, it's good offense, good defense. Would have been a better game if it was you know Indiana versus uh, uh, A&M. That, at least to me, would have been the better game. Got a few more games to talk about when we come back in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're listening to the podcast here on iTunes, Spotify, and also Locked on Sundays. NFL Sundays is looking for a pregame show that gives you all the information. Go join Ross Jackson and Cody Rourke every single Sunday as they give you information Highlight up-to-date, up-to-date stats and injury updates that get your lineup set, both fantasy and how to make some big-time bets. Go listen to them every single morning at 11 o'clock Eastern, wherever you get your podcast listening systems. couple more. Let's just get through this. Who is the biggest threat to AM next year in the SEC West? I mean, Alabama is going to be the one that I think a lot of people are going to say, but I really like what Ole Miss did in the recruiting cycle. You know, for, for Lane Kiffin in his first year to finish top 15, against, you know, Auburn, against uh, Alabama, Texas A&M. That's a huge get. 
Ole Miss is on the rise. They have a lot of talented players, and they have some guys who are coming back. Matt Coral coming back is going to be huge for them. Elijah Moore coming back is going to be huge for them. The defense is, I think, going to slowly turn it around. They're in a very, very, very weird, tricky spot, but I very much like this Ole Miss team. I think in about a year, maybe not next year, but 2022, if they continue to build up the draft classes and finish top 10, a lot of people want to play Filet and Kiffin. I mean, that's just really how it is. A lot of people like Lane Kiffin. A lot of people like, you know, like what he brings to the table. A lot of people think he's smart. I, you know, I, I get why people are going to, you know, Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a fun town too. And they like their football. I think Ole Miss is going to be a team that's going to have that meteoric rise. Kind of what we saw from Cincinnati this year. Maybe they won't get in the college playoff conversation, but they're going to be a little dangerous. I would say in about two years. And I would be very shocked if consistently they are the one that matches up very well with the Aggies for the next four or five years, especially if Nick Saban is to retire in a few years. What are your thoughts on the Brian Hartson hire and how does this affect AM? Um, I like Brian Hartson. I think he's a very good coach. I think that the biggest problem is you're going from the Mountain West to the SEC. So you're you're literally skipping two levels. You're not even going to the power six school in the AAC. A guy like Luke Fickle makes more sense on paper than Harson, but Harson's record, especially, he doesn't have double digit losses in the conference in six years. He has four double digit win seasons. And unfortunately, you know, Boise State only got to go to one New Year's Six Bowl, and that was in 2014 when they played uh, Arizona, I think it was. Outside of that, I mean, if you don't have an undefeated season, you're more than likely going to like the Las Vegas Bowl when you're in the Mountain West. I wonder how that's going to transition over to coaching. I like him. I'm not sure if it was the best hire for Auburn. But again, I said this weeks ago. If Auburn fires Gus Malzahn, you have to hope the guy that you want to hire is already in the office ready to sign the papers. You're literally just saying, hey, uh, you're fired and then walking across the hall into like, you know, one of those mirror rooms where the doors kind of connect and you go, you're you're fired, you're hired. That's what you need to happen. And Auburn didn't have that happen. And because of that, that's why they had to settle with a guy like Carson when they really could have gone after a guy like Hugh Freeze. They could have just stuck with Malzahn for another year. Maybe they could have gotten after Luke Fickle. I don't really know. They had their opportunity and they kind of welched on it, in my opinion. Let's get one more question in. If you had to pick today, who would be the starting quarterback for AM in 2021? I would go Haynes King. I like pocket passers. I like guys who can stay, maneuver around offensive lines. And what I saw from his arm is pure strength. So, uh, Stowers in a year would make a lot more sense. I want to see him in a college lineup. But with the COVID-19 year that we already had, you know, I really wonder if there would have been the maroon and white game this year, if, if he would have been effective in it, if he would have actually, you know, had a shot to play, could he have maybe even battled it out with Kellen Mond and, you know, in the start of the season? Could, could if this was a regular year, would he have a thousand passing yards? I mean, there, that, there's that much potential for him, which is why a guy like Sow, you know, Sowers, I get coming here. But if you lose out on that job, you have to realize that's a two year wait. And I'm not sure if Stowers is going to stay. So Stowers needs to have a great camp. But at this very moment, I would say Haynes King would be my guy.
That's good for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Merry Christmas to all of you. Thank you so much for joining us on Christmas Eve. Have a wonderful holiday season. We'll be back on Monday. Start previewing what to expect for the Orange Bowl. We're going to have guests on from UNC. We're going to have Candace Cooper, part of the Locked on Tar Heel podcast, come on. We're going to be featured all over the place. Make sure you come in. It'll be a delightful holiday treat for you and your family as soon as we get back. Stay safe this holiday season. We will see you next week. And remember, you give me all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.